This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl are in the rearview mirror. The pre-draft process is officially underway. Combine is the next big one. But here this evening, we are going to break down everything we read about, we watched from practices, we saw from film that was released out there on Twitter, from the Shrine Bowl, from the Senior Bowl, and we are going to recap it all, stock up, stock down, talk about everything that either we saw or heard from the two most important all-star college games that just took place over the last week. So let's dive right in. Let's start with the obvious, the most important one, which is the Senior Bowl. And, you know, I watched all the practice that was available. Still don't understand why not every practice is fully uh, available, you know, either on a stream, you know, on seniorbowl.com or on ESPN or NFL Network. But NFL Network had a recap show each night. ESPN had a couple days worth of practice. There was a lot of stuff put out there on Twitter as well, videos. So a decent amount of stuff that was out there to consume. And then obviously the game on, on Saturday as well. But let's let's start with the quarterbacks because obviously that was the big one going into this week. And from what I watched, from what I read, from people who I trust who were there and who were reporting all week, Malik Willis was the best of the quarterbacks. But overall, collectively, I think the quarterbacks left a little bit to be desired, which was kind of the question mark going in. Would anybody really emerge? But I do think Malik Willis has now put himself in a situation that the athleticism, the arm talent, and the ceiling of him as a prospect, I think this is going to be taking it towards he's going to push his way into the top 10 mix. I don't think he gets out of top 15, but I think there's a real possibility he goes somewhere in the top 10. A team's going to fall for him. They're going to pull the trigger. And I, and I kind of get it because of the, the raw traits that he possesses. If he hits, he can hit really big. And I think some of the other guys are playing a little bit on the safer side where if they hit, they're going to be a good NFL average starter. You know, not great, not very good. I don't even know if he would classify as a franchise guy. You think he's going to win Super Bowls. I think you could classify him as either average, above average, or good starter. So I think that's kind of what pull, pushes Willis up there. From what I watched and saw from the first day and read, he was a little bit inconsistent in day one. But the second practice, especially in the rain, he showed off that those elements would not impact him in terms of putting the ball where it needed to be, having the velocity and strength to make every NFL throw. And I think what you saw a little bit about in the game as well is his athleticism is going to allow him – early on in his career to make plays, to buy himself more time in the pocket, to stress defenses with the fact that he could be such a prolific runner. So, you know, Willis showed that in the game. He showed the arm talent in practice. You know, we saw some of the concerns as well, and and that's something that a team is going to draft, and they're going to have to continue the development process that is Malik Willis. So he was the quarterback that I think helped his stock the most, and I think it's pushed his way probably to be the first quarterback taken, in my opinion. 
at the start of the week, I think that designation probably was Kenny Pickett, and it still could be. But I think we saw on the second day with the bad weather, you know, I'm not a huge component of the hand size thing. It, it's only a problem when it is. You know, there's there's statistics out there that say there's never been a good starting quarterback in the NFL with under nine inch hands besides Michael Vick. Listen, it is it is what it is. But but my concerns that I had about Pickett before the senior bowl even happened was I think there's some inconsistent mechanics. I think he sometimes struggles with pressure. Then you talk about he has a good arm talent, not great. And then if you put him in the elements, it looked like he struggled with that on the, the second day of practice for sure. I think he's a guy who could be a good functional starter. I think he's somewhere on that Derek Carr type spectrum. And, you know, I, I think that in today's NFL, that warrants going round one, but he wouldn't be a guy that I'd be excited as a Giants fan. Like if they were going to be in the QB market this year, and I don't think they are, I wouldn't be excited about Kenny Pickett. I, I just wouldn't. Like, I think he'd be a guy that would be solid. And then you'd be saying, okay, he's not going to get us over the hump. Who's the next guy? And I think the biggest issue that NFL teams have is being content with average to good at the quarterback. And that's just not going to get it done anymore. You would need a perfect, perfect scenario, a perfect, perfect setup to get past the elite level quarterbacks uh, that are in the NFL right now, young elite NFL quarterbacks. And I think too many teams just settle on average or even above average, or even you could classify as good. If it's not very good, if it's not great, it's if it's not elite, at the quarterback position, I'm not sure you really are putting yourself in a position to win Super Bowls, to make deep runs in the playoffs anymore. Like I said, everything would need to be perfect around you for that to be the case. You know, so Pickett showed some positive things this week that we know he could do. He does have some athleticism to his game to move around a little bit, not at the level of Malik Willis, but he's not a statue in the pocket. Uh but I think Pickett now has, has put himself in the mix where if he was the leader in the clubhouse before the week started, I think now that's Willis. Pickett right behind him. After that, I think down at the senior bowl, I think Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell were about what we expected. There's some inconsistency with them. They'll look really great in, in, in one moment and then struggle in the next moment. And I think Ritter looked really good in the actual game. I thought in practices he was a little bit up and down. I think we know who Desmond Ritter is going to be. He's got really good athleticism, mobility. He's got the arm talent to make every NFL throw. Ball placement and accuracy at times are the issues, just inconsistency. He's a little bit of an older prospect. You know, I keep saying I think he's Colin Kaepernick. I think he reminds me a lot of Kaepernick in terms of his, his strengths and weaknesses. I think this week probably didn't move the needle too much on Desmond Ritter. I think he's still ticketed for the first half of round two. You know, until something changes my mind, I think that's where he's kind of going. And I think Sam Howell is in that mix too. Listen, Sam Howell has the arm talent to make every NFL throw. He's got the athleticism to run RPOs and move around the pocket. To me, a lot of his strengths and pros are very similar to what Baker Mayfield was like when he was coming out of Oklahoma. And I know that pushed Baker Mayfield all the way up to the top of the, the draft, but he had a really great supporting cast. He, he, he performed really well. Sam Howell lost all his weapons, you know. And Sam Howell dropped all the way down to, you know, probably late round one to somewhere in the middle of round two. But I think even in the senior bowl practices this week, you see glimpses of Howell. You see glimpses of Ritter that say, yeah, starting NFL quarterback, franchise quarterback. And then other moments you see guys who really struggled and you see that inconsistency, either missing high or missing low for some of these guys. And, and you just see some of the concerning areas that are out there 
with these guys. So I think I don't think much has changed except maybe that Willis maybe has put himself on a level playing field or slightly above Kenny Pickett in my eyes. I think Carson Strong showed what he is. Traditional pocket passing quarterback. The arm talent is good to very good. It's not the best. That's Malik Willis in, in terms of the senior bowl guys. He's got good to very good arm talent. He can make every NFL pro, but he's a traditional pocket passing quarterback. He's not going to be for everybody. I thought this week with him, you saw the, you know, the lack of movement. He doesn't feel comfortable throwing on the run. I think I think you kind of saw that with Strong. But if you want a guy who can play from the pocket and that's what you're looking to get, I think Strong could be that guy. I think he's ticketed for probably somewhere in round two. Also, uh, for me, he's definitely behind Ritter and Howell. Strong would be the next guy in that group. And then the other guy you know, who was there was Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky. You know, I think he's destined to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. He'll go in round four, round five. I think he's comfortable in the short to intermediate range. I think he's ideal for a West Coast system. But we saw in moments in the in practice, we saw in the game, this is a guy who just does not have the arm talent to be a big-time quarterback at the next level. He's not going to be able to put it in a tight window. He's not going to push the ball vertically down the field with any type of consistency. He's not going to push it outside the numbers. There's people I respect who like seem to like Bailey Zapp a lot. I, I don't see it with him. I think he's more of a round four, round five guy. I think at best he becomes a serviceable backup quarterback for a team that doesn't really like to push the ball vertically but lives more in that West Coast-style offense. So that was kind of what the quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl. Uh, if we take a look at the running backs, I think the star of the week in terms of the reports, what I saw – uh, was Damian Pierce out of Florida. I think he's now pushed his way potentially into that round three, round four mix. He doesn't have top-end explosiveness or long speed. He doesn't have a lot of collegiate production. He was kind of underutilized at Florida. He's not going to be a guy who makes people miss with a lot of cuts and jukes and, you know, an elusiveness and agility. But what he is, he's, he's got really good. he's got a really good frame. He's got average to above average overall athleticism, but he's got some build-up speed. He's got some short area burst. You know, the contact balance, the play strength, the, you know, the ability to run through contact, absorb contact. That's Pierce's game, and we saw that this week. He runs hard. He runs angry. He's looking to run people over. He's got that attitude and that demeanor that you want from a north-south, physical, tough, interior runner. I think he could be a guy that's part of a committee at the next level. The reports from people who were there and – you know, saw him have been glowing all week. So I think his stock is definitely on the rise. He's good in pass protection. So he's a guy who can play on all three downs, even though he doesn't kind of, you know, he's not the prototype, right? He's not a guy to be, but he's a, he's a functional receiver and he's good in pass protection. And he can, he can mostly run inside, but occasionally get to the outside. But I think Pierce was the biggest winner in a week. I would say Brian Robinson was the next guy who kind of just checked off boxes. I don't think anything that we saw this week, you know, really moved the needle on Brian Robinson. I think he's ticketed for that third, fourth round. I was hoping to see a little bit more maybe in in the past receiving drills. But I think Robinson is, listen, he can make a catch. He can catch a screen pass. He can catch, you know, a flare or, or you know, or a dump off. But, uh, that, but he's going to be another guy. Power, physical, tough, interior runner. 
I don't think Robinson moved the needle. If anything, I think Pierce kind of pushed its way maybe into that conversation where we start seeing guys like Brian Robinson and James Ford and Zamir White. I think I think Damian Pierce now has pushed his way into that grouping uh, down there. Disappointed that James Cook uh, ended up not performing down there, but I've been saying it all week. If you don't get James Cook in round three, which I think is where James Cook is ticketed, a round or so later, you can target Rashad White out of Arizona State or Tyler Beatty out of Missouri. I think those were the other two guys at the Senior Bowl who helped improve their stock. I think both of them look really good in the pass catching drills. I think all the reports of people who were down there, you know, uh, boots on the ground, were that these guys were the best two pass catchers down there. They're versatile offensive chess pieces. And to me, very much like James Cook, they can bring an element of uniqueness and versatility to an NFL offense. I think they probably go round four, but I think a team that loses out on James Cook would be very happy getting White or Beatty if they're there in round four or round five. They're not going to be a guy who carries a heavy workload, but you're talking about a guy who can get six to eight carries and get him in space. Then they can be a weapon out of the backfield they get 10, 11 touches on offense. They're going to make an impact in the game uh, for sure. They have some return skills as well. So I think White and Beatty both really helped themselves this week to kind of show who and what they could be at the next level. If we keep this going at the wide receiver position, I think the clear, clear winner of the week was Christian Watson at North Dakota State. I think he is now squarely in the day two mix, probably late round two to early round three. If he runs really good at the combine, you can even see him push maybe into mid round two. It's a really strong draft class. I heard people, I think it was, I think it was Todd McShay that has him now in his top 10 for wide receivers. I don't have him there yet, but he's definitely going to be a guy that has risen already, will continue to rise in the pre-draft process. He's got the athleticism. He's got the size. He's got speed to his game. He's not just the guy who wins with ball skills and, and at the catch point. He's got some vertical. He's got vertical ability to him as well. He's one of the true X receivers who you know you can put on the outside. Uh, the the step up in competition did not overwhelm him this week. So I think Christian Watson was a big winner. Uh, I know Khalil Shakir looked really good in in some of the drills. Listen, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he's really quick. He's really shifty. I think you saw that. He's got a good route runner, good understanding of route concepts. I think you saw his separation quickness, his movement skills, his releases in and out of breaks. I like Shakir's game. I think he's ticketed for somewhere in that round three, round four mix as well. I wanted to see a little bit more at a, at a Romeo Dobbs. I was, you know, not that I was disappointed. I still think he's ticketed for that day two mix as well. But I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more in terms of the vertical uh, ability and a little bit more speed and explosion out of him. I thought Watson was the clear guy who looked better. All the reports kind of sided with that too, because obviously I wasn't seeing a lot of reps when they were going based off the TV coverage and what's on there, you know, what's out there on the internet as well. Uh, I still like Dobbs. I still think he's in the round three, round four mix, but I think Watson has probably surpassed him now in terms of draft stock and and upside just based on what we saw from Watson this week. Uh, Calvin Austin, glowing reports all week. You saw him anytime I got reps of him in practice. His ability at the next level is going to be to take the top off defenses, 
Get him the ball in space. He's a playmaker. He's electric. He's only five foot seven, but he can bring a lot to the table in terms of his speed, his versatility, his change of direction. He's going to be a guy that's going to go higher than people think. I think he can go in round three, if not round three, early on day three because of his upside. That speed, big playability. Calvin Austin really saw his stock rise. I think Joe Tolbert kind of status quo. I think he's still on the day two mix. Uh, But I think, again, the gap that Tolbert was clearly ahead of Christian Watson when this week started, I think the gap between those two has significantly closed. Uh, I thought Tolbert was good. I didn't think he stood out nearly as much as a guy like Watson did. other guys that, you know, Alec Pierce, I don't look solid. I think he's more of an early day three guy. I think some people might have thought maybe day two. Maybe he could sneak into the back end of round three. I, I kind of think round four is probably the sweet spot for him. I think those are the receivers. Uh, you know, Bo Melton did some stuff after the catch. Same thing with uh, Vilas Jones, Danny Gray. Uh, you know, a bunch of guys who are going to be day three type guys. I, I thought kind of held. At the tight end position, I think this is a fascinating conversation because I think the story of the week, a lot of publicity was Trey McBride is the clear tight end one. I'm still not there. I know Ben Fennell, who I respect his takes a lot. He kind of sees, similar to me, some separation concerns. And he thinks if he runs a slow 40 time, is that going to kind of bring the tight end group a little bit back together? Listen, you know, maybe he's taking it to be like Cole Komet. And Cole Komet ran a 4-7 and he went in the second round. And maybe that's where Trey McBride's going. I just thought Trey McBride was more of a round three, round four player when I first watched him. But it sure seems like he has moved his way to the early to mid round two mix. That's a little too, too rich for my blood for a guy who lacks athleticism and separation quickness. He's great at the catch point, but that's just it. He's always making contested catches. So now at the NFL level, if guys are bigger, faster, quicker, if he was doing that coming from, you know, you know, college and he was doing that, you know, with, you know, against the level of competition at Colorado State, well, now when you have bigger, faster, stronger athletes, you know, is he going to be able to consistently win at the catch point as regularly as he was? And if that's his calling card, we're banking on that, but we've never seen him against better competition. So I think that's a really interesting dynamic. I thought Isaiah likely looked the part. I think he's a guy who's definitely targeted now for day two, the athleticism, the ability to attack the seam, the college production. Uh, but really he checks the athletic profile box. He has the ability to get vertical attack the seam. He ha- he shows the separation quickness to get away from defenders. So I really like likely. And then Jeremy Ruckert, I think is the other guy who, I think he's now put himself in the mix to be one of the top tight ends as well. I know Dave Ruler was saying he still needs to be number one. I think the upside of Rucker is higher clearly than McBride uh, for me. And that's why I like I like Rucker ahead of McBride. I think he's got more athleticism playing at Ohio State. We've seen him go up against better level of competition. I know he doesn't have the production, and that's what people a lot of people are going to skew to. But I think I think in terms of projecting and transitioning to the next level. I'd prefer Rucker slightly over McBride. I think they all should be around three, around four picks, but I think likely Rucker and McBride are probably all 100% ticketed for day two. I'm sure Jalen Weidemeyer too. So probably going to have four tight ends on day two. We'll see if anybody else sneaks in uh, into that mix there uh, for sure. Other guys 
Cole Turner was interested. Jake Ferguson, I think those are day three guys. I will say a guy who impressed me the most, and I hadn't watched a lot of them until right before the Senior Bowl and then really focused in on him at the Senior Bowl, was Greg Dulcich out of UCLA. He's a guy who really good pass-catching tight end, showed good separation quickness and athleticism. I think he's a guy who you can do a lot of different things. You can do motion. You can do some H-back stuff. You can do you know, a variety of things with Dulcich, but I, I like his ability in the past game to be a factor at the next level. So Dulcich is a guy who really impressed me uh, down there in Mobile from what I was, you know, able to see on the practice films and the practice tapes and stuff like that. So Dulcich is a guy who I think stock has risen. I think he's in that top five mix now at the tight end position. You know, so he's a guy who who definitely intrigues me for sure. So that was kind of like my quick hitting thoughts. I obviously I was sharing a lot during the game itself and throughout the week when I when I was seeing things. But I, I think at the tight end position, I think it's stock up on Isaiah Likely, stock up on Greg Dulcich, stock up on Jeremy Ruckard, and the consensus seems to be that people love Trey McBride. Uh, at the wide receiver position, I think Christian Watson was the clear winner of the week. Calvin Austin was a winner. I think Romeo Dobbs kind of maybe took a slight step back. Jalen Turbin, I think, kind of held firm. Uh, at and Khalil Shakir uh, stock up on him at the at the running back position. I think it was Damian Pierce was the big winner. Uh, followed after that was White and Beatty, kind of checking off who they were. Uh, were, were guys that I liked and I would say stock up. And at the quarterback position, the only guy I would say stock up was was Malik Willis. I would say slight stock down for Kenny Pickett. I would say stock neutral for Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell from what I saw and read this week. I think the big thing is it's just a very questionable quarterback class. And we knew that for months on months. They all have some intriguing traits about them, but they all have a lot of things that – leave a little bit to be desired as well. But it was a fun week watching all these quarterbacks down there, a bunch of good wide receiver prospects down there. The tight end group might be the mo- might end up being the most dynamic from the group that was down there in terms of, you know, besides obviously we know most of the top quarterbacks were there except Matt Corral. I think the tight end group, if, if they have really Rucker, McBride, and – likely all go on day two, that's going to be a strong showing for the senior bowl. And I think Dulcich could be around four type guy as well. So that's kind of how I sort the offensive skill players in terms of stock up, stock down, what the reports were saying, what the, what the practice film that I was able to get my hands on was, was showing in terms of uh, my, my, my findings down there uh, from mobile. If we spin this over and talk a little bit about the shrine bowl, Obviously, not as much, you know, coverage of it in terms of practices and and people down there and posting videos on Twitter. So it's much more what I read from people who I trust who were there, what I saw in the game, and and just general buzz from the Shrine Bowl. I think the quarterbacks we knew were weak there. I think stock up for Jack Cohn. I think he was the best of the group that maybe he he's put himself in a draftable mix in that round five to round seven mix. Uh, I like, while I like Dustin Crumb's athleticism, I think his arm 
strength and his ball placement. Mechanics leave a little bit to be desired. It seemed like it was a pretty up and down week from all the reports down there and what I saw in the game from Crum. Uh, so I think those are the two quarterbacks. Brock Purdy, again, I talked about it during the Shrine Bowl itself. It's staggering that he's even there. You know, once upon a time, we thought he was going to be a guy who could maybe be a day two pick. Uh, and now he was playing at the Shrine Bowl. I still think there's a chance he could be a backup quarterback. If I'm going to sit there and say I think Bailey Zapp has a chance to be a backup quarterback, I understand the consensus and out there is Bailey Zapp's going round four, round five. Purdy might not get drafted until late in the draft or even be a priority free agent. I still am just as intrigued with Bailey Zapp's, I mean, Brock Purdy's skill set as I am with Bailey Zapp's. So there's still possibility that maybe down the line he could work his way up to be in a backup at the next level, but it's going to be a long shot for sure. At the running back position, a couple guys that stood out were guys that I've been intrigued with since the summer. I think the best from everything I read and then what we saw in the game, Ty Chandler and Pierre Strong were the two best performers at the running back position. Obviously, Ty Chandler, the former Tennessee a volunteer who transferred to UNC this year to replace Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Uh, all the reports were that he looked really good this week, really good receiving, which I always thought was an untapped potential. I always thought he had limited receiving production, but he had the past receiving skills to be effective there. Sounds like he really checked that box uh, down there in Vegas. So stock up for Tyler Chandler. Maybe he put himself in the mix to be drafted somewhere in that round five, round six range. Uh, and then Pierre Strong going to South Dakota State. If there's a long shot guy who you want to try to take a stab on and say, this is the guy from a lower level school who could be the next James Robinson, which obviously we know how rare and how hard that is. Pierre Strong would be the guy who could be around six, round seven guy. But he could be a guy right out of the gate who I think could play at the next level. I like a lot about him, the way he runs, his finishing ability, his power, his strength. All the reports were that he really had a strong week down there. He looked solid in the game as well. And then there were some positive reports about Keontae Ingram uh, out of USC, formerly formerly of Texas. He's another guy who I thought was going to have a big, big year this year at USC. It didn't materialize. A lot of inconsistency, but his raw talent, I think, is there to make an impact for sure. Uh if he gets an opportunity down the line. So I'll be interested to kind of see if Ingram, if Chandler get drafted in that five to round five, round six range, can they work their way up to potentially be in a guy who gets an opportunity at the next level. But those are the running backs that stood out at the shrine bowl. If we spin this to the wide receivers, I think the wide receivers that made the, most noise in practice was Kyle Phillips. All the reports said that they could not cover him. We knew he had good separation quickness. We knew he had good athleticism, movement skills. All the reports were that he lived up to the billing and did everything that we expected him to do down there as the top receiver in the game, or at least one of the two top receivers that were down there at the Shrine Bowl. So I think Kyle Phillips has kind of solidified himself as a definite debris pick, we'll see. Is it round four? Is it round five? Is it round six? I think it's a deep class, but I think it's probably more, you know, that round five to round seven range, especially since he was at the Shrine Bowl, not the Senior Bowl. But I do like Phillips's game. I think it could be a, a versatile offensive player, a slot receiver who can get vertical at the next level, who just gets open, catches passes, good movement skills and separation quickness. And then the other guy who I thought was the big you know, winner from all the reports that I read was Charleston Rambo, you know, formerly of Oklahoma. This was a guy who transferred to Miami and 
Once upon a time, we, I thought he had a legitimate chance to be a day two guy. And, he, you know, things didn't work out for him at Oklahoma. He transferred to Miami, had a productive year this year. But I think down there, he showed his athleticism. He showed his straight line, long speed, his ability to get vertical. All the reports were that he was basically uncoverable down there at the Shrine Bowl. So I think stock up for Charleston Rambo for sure. At the tight end position, I think the guy that generated the most buzz was uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, good size, good frame, athletic, the ability to be a big target for its quarterback, but had the juice to create some separation, be a factor after the catch as well. So I think Jelani Woods was probably the tight end from all the reports. And then the game that saw his stock rise the most down there at the Shrine Bowl. So there it is, guys. A quick recap of my thoughts on all things Senior Bowl from the offensive skill players and the Shrine Bowl. Some stock up, stock down. You know, what's the buzz that's out there right now in terms of these guys? I kind of wanted to just kind of share, you know, my thoughts from watching both those All-Star games, my thoughts from watching as many of the Senior Bowl practices that I can get my hands on and and everything else I could find on Twitter, everything I, you know, and then the, the Shrine Bowl is more about what I read from people who I trusted were down there and then the game itself. But it, it's fun to kind of have this initial kickoff period now now it's it's fun to kind of wait and prep for the combine here at Saturday and Sunday. This is where we go into some of our bread and butter shows of the year, and that is our tier buster shows. So now, between now and the combine, what we'll try to do is we'll try to bang out those four tier buster shows. Quarterbacks will kick it off next week. Then we'll do running backs and wide receivers and tight ends. Then we'll have a combine preview. Then we do all our combine recap shows. And then after the combine, we start bringing on a lot of great guests from the industry to share their thoughts, pick their brains. Because at that point you would have heard us talking about these guys for months and months and months. And yeah, there'll be small changes, but now it's time to start picking other people's brains, asking them questions, learning from them, seeing things that they might see. And then maybe send me back to the film as well. And obviously we'll talk pro days and we'll break down every, you know, everything for guys who don't run at the combine, stuff like that. But this is where we kick it in the high gear. If you are enjoying the content, please get over to the website, SS Football, the quickest and fastest way to get there. I have been working hard on updating the 2022 scouting notebook. I have added like 15 players to it. I've separated the tabs into just guys who declared, guys who did not. You have over 110 probably uh, player profiles, probably 90 or so of them are guys who are in this draft class. All the relevant guys who've seen their stock rise uh, from the Senior Bowl have all been added into the mix. I've been updating, you know, other guys, underclassmen, some of the other guys who are already in it who are at the Senior Bowl. You get that. It's got our strengths, our functional areas, our developmental or concerning areas. It's got how they win, NFL draft projection, NFL scheme fit, fantasy spin for over 100 players at, in that. You also get the rankings notebook. It has all our rankings. It has our draft rankings, our Debbie rankings, our dynasty rookie rankings after the draft. Last year's dynasty rookie rankings still being updated. It has positional dynasty overall rankings that Jeff and I uh, both put out there. And then this week, as I'm doing and preparing for these tier buster shows, watching more film on these guys, we have special tiers that we made here at Saturday and Sunday to tie in our film eval, draft stock, draft projection, fantasy draft projection, 
all into making and crafting these tiers that we had. Those tiers will be added to the rankings notebook. So you'll get all our tiers, all our tiers and rankings updated from now straight until draft weekend. And then after the draft, our Dynasty Rookie rankings, our overall Dynasty rankings, Debbie rankings, all that will be updated as well. And then in April, you get the draft projections notebook, tabs for every position, offense and defense, 300 to 400 prospects, snapshot of, of what they do, strengths concerning areas, how they win, and then their measurements from the combine or the pro day, and then ranked in an order based on how we expect them to come off the board from everything we're hearing. Also a tab for me projecting the first, uh, the, the top 32 picks, me a tab projecting the picks in the first three rounds, and then me project trying to project what players will be taking the entire NFL draft. So projecting like whatever it is, 256 players who I think will be taken in the draft. You get all three notebooks, $9.99, best way to support the show. If you've bought it in the past, please consider purchasing it again. If you've never purchased it, but you are a fan of our work, please uh, consider purchasing it. It is the best way to help us. It is the best way to make sure we continue to do what we do here at Saturday to Sunday. So look for next week, Tier Busters, first first part of the four-part series on the quarterback class. I will break them down into tiers. I will talk everything about this quarterback class. That's next week. Make sure you stay tuned for that. So, on behalf of Matt and Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nicano, and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.